Happy New Year and welcome John Acuff back to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I love what you do. Before we started, I was bragging about how much I love your amazing stump illustration. All of them were really great, but that was the one that spoke the most to me. So I love the way you lead your community and I love how you challenge people to do something really amazing, which is spend time outside. Oh, John, thank you. I loved having you on the last podcast. I was thrilled about it. You are this top-notch, speaking everywhere, this whole backstory of books, and you do these conferences, and you speak, and you help the biggest companies everyone's ever heard of, and then you have your own podcast. All it takes is a goal, and so just thrilled to have you back. We just determined that you are going to be 1,000 Hours Outside's resident goal expert. Yeah, yeah. I, give me a hat or a patch or whatever it is you do for your other resident experts. Like, let's go. Get whatever, a sash, like Girl Scouts, whatever it is. A yeah. Lego. Lego set. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. So we have a goal. We have a goal of getting outside yeah. for 1,000 hours in a year and people adjust the goal. Some have a higher goal. Some have a lower goal. Yep. I have added this year for myself. I've been doing this for 10 years. So we've spent 10,000 hours outside with our kids. But this past year, I spent a lot of time sitting doing this. This was a new thing for me. I wrote two books. I read a lot of books. And so I sat a lot. So I have a goal for myself this year to also walk 1,000 miles. Our kids are doing it too. And a goal to read 1,000 chapters, which that actually is probably going to be my easier one because I already like that. But I have goals. And yep. our listeners have a very big goal, a goal to stick with something for an entire year. And we've never had anyone on, John, to talk about goals. And so I read your book, Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. And I saw that starting on Tuesday, January 10th, you are running a free guaranteed goals challenge. So I want to start there because this is coming out on Monday and this starts tomorrow. So hopefully people have subscribed so they get this right away and they can go and run and sign up. Tell us about that first and then we can dive into the book. Sure. Well, I just, there's certain moments in the year where there's cultural momentum you can use to your benefit. So where the whole world's talking about something and you can kind of ride that wave to make your goal even easier. And January is one of those times. So what I try to do in January is say, okay, how can I create a really fun, really personal, really content heavy, practical way to encourage a lot of people all at once? Challenges started because in 2020, I had my best year lined up for public speaking. Like in January, I remember I like I opened for Dolly Parton at the Ryman Auditorium and I got to meet Dolly Parton and I drove away and I thought this is going to be the best year ever. And then it was like the narrator was like, it was not the best year ever. <laughs> and all my public speaking got canceled. And so I thought I've got all these ideas. I've got all this desire to encourage people. I can't go anywhere. I can't travel. So what if I created online events that I could invite all these people to for free? And so that's what it is. It's the Guaranteed Goals Challenge. It's acuff.me slash challenge. We've had 10,000 people on average sign up for them. And it's this great chance to do what I call slingshot you into the year. So to kind of pull back that slingshot, get some really tactical things you can do to really lean into your goals. Because there's a lot of people like Strava, the world's number one fitness tracking app, they call the third Friday in January quitters day because that's where they can see data wise that more people quit their goals than any other day. So knowing that, how do we prepare for that? How do we plan for that? If we've got a thousand hour goal to be outside, what are some things we can do to make sure we actually get that done? That's what the challenge is about is it's a chance for me to really encourage people and help them pull the slingshot back on their year. 
Yeah. Wow. We have a number one lifestyle app. So I'm hoping I should look at the data too, to see if people stop using it in January at some time. The coolest thing, John, is that when the end of the year comes and with 1000 hours outside, you can start anytime. So the goal is within 365 days to be outside for a thousand hours. And so some people start the first day of summer and some people start at all of these different times, even just when they find it for the first time and they start. But when the year ends for them, whenever that 365 days ends and they've stuck with it and they're holding their chart up and they've got their badge and they got all their whole family and they get these charts, they get them blown up. And I saw someone just the other day, she had her kid, a trophy made for her and they make cakes. It says 1000 hours outside. And you know, it's all trees of all these different seasons. And it is really exciting if you get there. And that doesn't mean get to the number. That means stick with it. If you stick with it for a year, what it guarantees, and it guarantees that you have a full year with your family and that you get all the developmental benefits and that you get all these foundational lifelong memories and that you're modeling to your kids that, hey, you know, screens are fun, but they're not this fun and all of these different things. And so we want people to stick with it for the year so that they can look back and be so proud. People, I mean, they're just constantly talking about how proud they are and they're celebrating And life is all about that. Let's be proud of the effort that we put in to keep balance between screens and real life. So you have this amazing book. It's the perfect book to read. Give yourself the gift of done. And you talk in there a ton about perfectionism, but also about, and this I really related to, the day after you mess up. This is a big day. Day after perfect. Yeah, it's one of the biggest days in a goal setting challenge. So Jenny, what I would say sometimes what happens is that during a vacation moment, you make a big goal when you've got a bunch of free time and you go, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And then real life starts again and you have to adjust. And what often happens is somebody on day seven of trying to go day eight, they miss it. And then day nine, they miss it. And then day 10, and then they look up three months later and they've missed it. So one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is the gift of starting again. The gift of going, okay, starting again. Okay, starting again. That to me, you can define resilience a million different ways. I think resilience is the ability to start again. I don't think it's the ability to be perfect. I think it's the ability to start again, to say, okay, I had a busy travel season. I had four business days where I didn't get to be outside or, you know, there were family complications. So let me, you know, let me start again. And we're often so unkind to ourselves to not notice when life has changed and we don't adjust the goal. So what happens to me is people go, John, I was doing really good at my real estate goals. I'm trying to be a successful agent and I just don't know what what happened. I'll go, well, tell me some more about your life. And they'll go, well, I'm now taking care of my mother who has early stage Mm. dementia and that's about 20 hours a week. And I'll go, whoa, 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 whoa. Did you adjust at all? And they'll go, no, what do you mean? I'll go, whoa, you're a completely different person right now than you were six months ago. So how do we adjust? And that's what's fun about a long goal like yours. It teaches you the power of adjusting. It teaches you the power of flexibility. You're 100% right in that in the journey of the thousand hours outside, you're going to learn 50 other lessons you can't even anticipate. Mm. And what happens is the goal you're encouraging people to do floods into other parts of their life. You, I guarantee people come up to you and go, hey, you know, that thousand hours outside goal really helped me get my finances together. And you go, whoa, 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 it's, it's not a financial goal. And they go, I know, but like discipline begets discipline. Hope wow. begets hope. Curiosity begets mm. curiosity. So when you put a marker in the ground and say, I'm going to do this with Jenny and her community, it spreads to other parts of your life. That's one of the 
best parts of a long-term goal is that it moves into other areas and you get benefits you can't even imagine. Yes. I loved that part in your book. It was one of my favorites. When you talk about, you just don't know. You don't know what's coming. You say, here's the line. No one knows the outcome until after. Who are you going to meet? What's going to happen? What experiences are you going to have? You just don't know. And it adds this bit of anticipation to your life of what's coming next. And so I love that you talked about Bon Jovi in the book. Yeah. Well, and Bon Jovi. So the example was that he didn't want to put living on a prayer on their album because he hated the song and he thought other people would hate it. And then it's their number one song of all time. In fact, if you talk to any, I live in Nashville, so I'm surrounded. We're crawling with musicians. If you talk to any honest musician about their greatest hit, they'll go, yeah, we didn't know. We, I mean, like we put it on there. We didn't know if you talk, you know, you talk to a lot of authors like about their biggest book, they'll go, I, I didn't know I've written 10 books and then book 11 blew up or actors. It's the same way. So you often don't know. But what you do know, Jenny, is nothing happens if you don't try. Mm -hmm. One of the things I like to say is nothing gets awesome accidentally. Nothing gets awesome accidentally. I've never met somebody who accidentally got in shape who said, I was, it was weird. I was binge watching Netflix. And then all of a sudden I looked up and I was doing burpees in my living room. Like you never hear a marriage get awesome accidentally. The default of marriage is to be pulled apart in different directions. You like good things take good work. And it's the same with any goal. And so that's, what's interesting is you don't know where it'll go, but you do know where yes. it'll go. If you don't try anything, yes. you do know that. Yes. And you do know that something is there. Something is there. And I almost think there should be a word for that because we'll go outside or I speak at conferences too. You, you just don't know who you're going to meet, but you know, yeah. something is going to happen that make it makes the fear and the anxiety and the anticipation and all of that and the work, the hard work feel very worthwhile in the end. It's that hindsight. And so that part of the book really spoke to me. The book talks a ton about perfectionism, which I think is something that a lot of moms struggle with. And we have a lot of moms that listen. And is there statistics on that? I wonder if it's, is it a universal thing? Perfectionism. Well, I, I think I think perfectionism is universal in the same way that overthinking is universal. But here's let's let's call out like let's speak to moms for just a minute. Part of the challenge with being a modern mom is that you have the ability to compare yourself to other people in a new way. We think social media is old. It's not old. It's a toddler. We've barely learned how to use it. Like we're the first generation. Like my parents didn't have to talk to me about my digital footprint because it didn't exist. We're the first generation that's dealing with it. So think about in the 1980s, my mom, Libby Acuff in Hudson, Massachusetts, could only compare her motherhood to five other moms on our cul-de-sac. Like that was it because she didn't have access to any other moms. But now every mom listening to this can compare themselves to a mom in Spokane, Washington, a mom in Houston, Texas, a mom in Cleveland, Ohio in 30 seconds because of Instagram. Right. And so that's part of the challenge. And we have to go, okay, it's new. It's going to take me some time to figure it out. It's designed to make me want to compare. That's the other thing about an outdoor challenge. Like, and I love screens. We're on a screen right now. Mm -hmm. I use social media. I don't ever want to be like, it's all bad. It's all good. I think it's a right. mix. I think it's a tool like any other tool. Mm -hmm. A hammer that hits my foot is bad. A hammer that drives a nail to build a house is good. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge though is you have to remember there are entire buildings full of people right now whose entire goal is your time. Mm -hmm. Their entire business model is based on getting more of your time. So the odds are stacked against you. So what happens with a goal like yours is it is a flag in the ground to go, no, I can't be casual about this because there's a thousand developers using the best psychology, the best technology, the best marketing, the best everything 
anything to persuade you not to be who you can be. Netflix doesn't want you to write a book. Hulu doesn't want you to be connected to your kids. HBO Max doesn't want you to get in shape. There's entire companies against that. So I say that to go one, give yourself some grace. The odds are really stacked against mm-hmm. you. Number two, give yourself some tools. Yes. A thousand hours outside is a great tool. It's an invitation. So to, to the moms, I'd say, I think that's the challenge. The joke I sometimes do is I talk about mom shame because dad shame isn't even a phrase we use in our culture. Yeah, like never I've never it. had another dad go, oh yeah, I was just comparing my fatherhood to other fathers on Instagram and I feel real low. I joke that dads, our default is I'm amazing. Like, yeah, my kid got a misdemeanor, but it's not a felony. I'm a pretty good dad. Like our <laughs> fault. And so I think it's really important, especially for moms to lean into that idea of, okay, what are my goals? What's my personal definition of success? There's a mom tip. Like you need to define your definition of success because the world's going to try to hand you a thousand others. And that's where you start to feel inadequate. Right. Right. And in our case, this is about your family is unique and uniquely expressing it. And so at the end of the year, your 1000 hours or your 700 hours or however many it is looks different from everyone else. And we have this whole span of life where everything is the same. First grade, second grade, all of these things are the same. And this is a chance to make it different and have it be unique to yours so that you don't have to compare and you can have your own thing. Okay. So one of the things that perfectionism says, and you talk about in finish, give yourself the gift of done. Perfectionism says close doesn't count. Close doesn't count. It's an all or nothing mentality. So what would you say to that? Yeah. So that's an an interesting example of that is I'll meet people that will say, John, my goal is to, I want to walk. You mentioned walking. My goal is to, I want to walk two miles every day. Today, I only had time for one. So I didn't do any. And you want to go, well, you know, one is infinitely more than none, but a perfectionist, one of their secret rules or broken soundtracks, if you will, is I'd rather get a zero than a C minus. Like a perfectionist would rather not do it at all than do it halfway. And so part of breaking out of perfectionism is going, no, if, if I get a B that that's okay. If I get a C, that's okay. Because I didn't get a zero. Like yes. I tried a little bit. And where we saw this happen, we, we saw this happen when we looked at weight loss goals. If somebody said, okay, my goal is to lose 10 pounds and then they lost eight, they felt like they failed by two and they gave up. But if they said, my goal is to lose five and they lost the same eight, they go, I won by three. I should keep trying. And so there's so much kind of mindset in this, but a big part of it is to go, okay, I'm going to continue. I care more about the continue than I do about the perfection. Like perfection says it has to be 10. And if it's not 10, give up. I care more about what'd you do in the second month? What'd you do in the third month? What'd you do in the fourth month? And I'll give you an example from real life. A woman told me, John, my goal was to walk 10,000 steps every day. And it just, I couldn't do it. There'd be some days where I was really busy and only got 2000 in. So she, she allowed herself to walk 70,000 in a week. She did an average. So what that meant was if she missed some on Thursday, she knew Saturday is a different kind of day. I've got more time outside. Like I'm going to do 15,000. And so she gave herself an average. And so it's the same. If you said some people will love the streak approach, they'll go, I do three hours outside every day because that's how I'm wired. That's awesome. But some people go, you know what? We camp. We're going to camp four times this year and we're going to catch up on some hours. That's awesome too. I love that you're giving people what I would say is the gift of modifying it. Mm -hmm. Modify it to your life. 
Any advice you hear, any business book you read, any outdoors book you read, you should modify it to your unique life, your unique family versus, okay, it has to fit in this box. Because the challenge is people like me will write books that go, the way to do it is you got to get up at 3 a.m. And if you're not doing up at 3 a.m., you're already failing. And that person might be naturally wired for the mornings where mm-hmm. somebody else is wired for the afternoons. And the person who's wired for the afternoons reads that book and feels like a failure. And they go, okay, well, I didn't do it perfectly, so it doesn't count, so I shouldn't try. But I'm always going, okay, well, how can we be kind to ourselves to continue? Kindness leads to continuation and continuation Mm -hmm. leads to consistency. And that's where you start to see magic happen. So good. I just talked to Katie Bowman. She's a biomechanist and she has this platform called Nutritious Movement. And she said, to your point about the walking, and I thought this was super interesting. You can be a person that's consistent. Every day I'm going to walk three miles. But she said, actually, for the way that your body is set up, it's great to vary it. That one day you walk one and one day you walk four. And that gives your body all these different inputs. And so either way, there are benefits to how you spread that out. And that is how 1,000 Hours Outside is. We always say, even if you fail, you win. So at the end of the year, people are like, they got these kids. They're holding up their sign. It says 822 hours and they're jumping and they're celebrating. It's great because we should. We have to celebrate what we're accomplishing. 225 hours and a mom will say, I've got joint custody or I've got split custody. And this is what we can do. Do and we prioritize it for an entire year. We were intentional. It's wherever you get is a win because you look back and you have made progress. So I love that close doesn't count is a lie from perfectionism. Well, here's here's how I'd say here's a here's a way to kind of a practical way to think about that. Measure against zero, not against perfect. So when you did 225 hours, measure that against zero. I did 225 hours more than zero. Wow. Don't go, I did 700, well, I'm terrible at math, 775 less than a thousand. You're not going to feel great. You're not going to do it a second year. Measure against zero, not against perfect. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this this is one of my favorite parts of the book. The book, your books are so funny. Oh, thanks. And I listened to one of your podcasts where you were talking about how you write the books, and it's like in layers, basically. And you're like the first layer is very dark, <laughs> and then by the yeah, time yeah, you get it's, to more, it's very yeah. I call it like it's a counting crows layer. It's like the cure. It's very depressing. And by the time the book comes out, it's so funny. You're talking about unicorn breath and your candles that you like. I'm like, where is this coming yeah. from? It's great. Yeah. But one of the things that perfectionism says is you should be able to handle it all. And in this part, you talk about the four things that you have kind of let go. Like you say, I've decided to stink at TV. (laughs) (laughs) I really love. Okay, so you should be able to handle it all. That's what perfectionism says. What do you say? One of the things I've started to say a lot to myself when it comes to not being able to get it all done, because that's what we're ultimately talking about, is a soundtrack I say, and I think everybody listening to this should write this down on a post-it note, is my imagination is bigger than my calendar. My imagination is bigger than my calendar. Because what happens is we sit down and we're full of desire, we're full of tasks, we're full of commitments, we have all these things to do, and we can't possibly fit them into our calendar because the calendar is fixed. The calendar is locked. We've had the same calendar for 700 years. There's no new day that's been invented or a new hour, but our imagination is endless. It's boundless. And then you connect it to your husband or your wife's imagination and your kid's Mm. imagination. And all of a sudden it's big. So for me, I don't sit down with my to-do list and go, if I don't get it done, I failed. I sit down with the understanding, I'm going to have more ideas than I can possibly get done. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. And then I start to, yeah, I start to decide what am I not going to be good at? And I'm going to be okay with that. So the TV was an obvious one. And the, the story there was I'll meet friends and they'll rattle off the 17 shows they're watching. And whenever you tell somebody you haven't seen a show, 
their reaction is like, you dummy. Like, what are you yeah. doing? With and it was like life? that They're in like, childhood. I remember actually being yeah. like that in like middle school and I wasn't allowed to watch the things. Yeah. So it's something that spans your whole life. Yeah. And so like just deciding like, no, it's not going to be something I'm particularly good at. The phrase that we talk in there is like, choose what you're going to bomb. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going, this is not a priority. So I think that's a big part of being okay with the things you can't get done. And then one thing that's helped a lot of people is I'll say at the end of the day, I left a lot of fun things in tomorrow for me to focus on versus going, look at all the things I didn't get to today. I go, man, I left so many fun things for me tomorrow. Like tomorrow when I wake up, I got stuff to do. And so I think there's all these little tricks around going, okay, here's what I can actually get done. And, and one of the things that, that I'm going to talk about it a lot this year, Jenny, um, it's actually one of the lessons I'm going to teach is that we never do a good job of assigning hours to our goals. What happens is people have an already full year. They have a full life. Nobody listening to this right now is like, Jenny, my big problem is I have 30 hours of free time a week and I just don't know, should I yacht? (laughs) Should I golf? Like I don't, they're all busy. And so what happens is we do this amazing job dreaming and then we never go, okay, what are the hours that will cost? How many hours do I have to play with? What will that cost? And then there's this train wreck between the dream and reality. And we, again, we feel like a failure. And so a lot of what I like to talk about is, okay, we know that's a problem. How do we change that? We know that's a challenge. How do we fix that? Mm-hmm. And so like, is it that we multitask? Is it that, you know what, my outside, anytime I have a phone call, that's not a big phone call, I'm going to walk around the neighborhood. Boom. Yeah. And I double, and I'm sure you teach a million of those tips. And so I think that's a big part of it is deciding what you really have time for, deciding what you don't have time for and releasing yourself from the pressure of, I've got to get it yeah. all done. Like I've got to. Yeah. Because you you can't, you can't. And that's not failure, that's reality. And so the more you can remind yourself of that, the less guilty I think you feel Mm -hmm. when the reality knocks on your door. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. 
Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside50 to get 50% off. Yeah. And I love that you covered in that section, even that it's seasonal sometimes that you're talking about, hey, I've got this part of my life and I feel this way too, where you're conferencing. So mine is in the spring and I'm like, oh, I hope when I come back, my friends are still my friends (laughs) because for a time period, you just have to trust that you've laid the foundation there and you have enough relational capital to draw from that you're gone for a little while. And so I like that you, that was really practical. You're like, for seven weeks, I bomb friendships. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well, I'm just, I mean, I'm physically not there. And and I know, I know that, that, you know, the guys I like to get coffee with are still getting coffee. It just happens yeah. that I'm in Indianapolis or I'm in Tampa or I'm wherever, right. um, but I feel really called to that. And so I think that's part of the challenge of adulthood is holding two true things in your hands at the same time that might feel opposite. It's yeah. okay to miss the friend, but it's also okay to love the thing you feel called to do at the same exact time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's a real, the more I can do that. But if I hold travel John to at home John's standards, oh, I'm in trouble. I'm in yeah. trouble. Like it's just, I am. And so it's the same with like, I mean, think about different seasons, summer, summer's different. Like it's harder. I, it took me years to realize I can't really write books in the summer because my mm-hmm. kids are here. We want to be at the pool. We want to be outside extra where I, when I can write them is when they're in school or it's, you know, there's less going on out, you know, and I, and I can kind of focus and drill in. But if I, if I try, you know, think about the absurdity. If you've tried to get really into snow skiing in the summer, how would that go? You go, that would never work. And you go, right. Because there's seasons to life and there's seasons to how you work. There's seasons to how you play. There's seasons to how you family. And I I think if we can embrace those seasons, things go a lot easier. Yeah, there's a lot of grace in that. Okay, how about this one? Perfectionism says, and this is from Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done. I love the cover, by the way. This is a cool book. Oh, thanks. I appreciate that. Really got a lot out of it. And also, I just read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. So I was pretty thrilled to see that. He's got a... He is the best. He (laughs) is... thing on the back of there. You know... He really, the first time I wrote a business book, I was terrified because it was changing or a goal book, if you'd say. And I emailed him and I asked him if he'd um, endorse it. And this was probably 12 years ago. And he wrote the kindest email to me. And re- I've got it printed up on my wall for the days I forget I'm a writer. Wow. Um, and so the, it's it was one of those. So yeah, I can't speak highly enough of Stephen yeah. Pressfield. Yeah, that's so cool. I saw his endorsement. I thought that was awesome. Okay, so in Finished, you talk about that. Perfectionism says the harder something is, the more miserable it is then the better it is. So you're talking about adding fun to your goals. So tell us about that. I love this idea. It's such a wild thing, Jenny. And the example I sometimes use, I'll meet people and go, I'm going to get in shape this year. And I'll go, oh, that's great. What are you going to do? And they go, I'm going to run. And I go, do you like running? They go, I hate it. No, I hate it. That's how I know it's good for me. And like you see them, you're like, you look miserable. And I, I think that we, especially in Western culture, feel like 
it has to be difficult to count. We don't put a priority on fun. We don't put a priority on joy. Like it has to be serious. You know, you see that with people that have skills or even small businesses. I meet people who have amazed, they're amazing at crafting. I'll go, you're really good at that. And they go, oh, that's just, something. it comes easy to me. It's not a big deal. And you go, no, 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 no. That's a real thing that the majority of us can't do. That's special. We have a hard time recognizing our own talents and overvalue other people's. And mm. so what we learned in the book. So we did a test on that. Um, there's this PhD named Mike Peasley who helps me with research. He's a professor here in Nashville. And we tested, does fun matter? Because I meet all these people, companies, for instance, I'll come in and be like, hey, you need to have fun. And they're like, we do serious work. We're not Google. We don't have ponies or cotton candy fights on Fridays. And I go, that's fine, but let's test, does fun matter? And so we did this big test. We asked all these research participants to make what they do fun. And what was crazy was there's two things you look at when it comes to goals, two kind of measurements that really matter. One is satisfaction and one is performance. Satisfaction is how did you feel? Did you, did you feel good during it? Like what were your emotions? So, uh, performance is, did you actually do it? Did you crush? Did you finish? Now, any principle from me or any other guest you have better raise both of them. And here's why. If I raise your satisfaction, like, oh, it's funny, I felt good, whatever, but your performance goes down, you're smiling all the way to last place. I don't, you're smiling, you're like, oh, we're failing, but it feels great. I don't want that for you or your family or your company, whatever. If I help you raise your performance, but not your satisfaction, you become every rich, miserable person you've ever met. Like we've all met somebody who's really successful and really unhappy. And you go, how did that, those two things shouldn't exist. What happened was they leaned into performance and they never leaned into satisfaction or their plan, Jenny, which is so terrible is I'm going to be miserable for like 65 years, but then I'm going to retire and then I'm going to be happy. And you're like, dude, I've got terrible news for you. You can't practice misery for six and a half decades and think moving to Palm Springs is going to change. Like, no, you got to work on that all your life. And so we did, we asked people to change their goal and make it fun. And there was a 31% increase in satisfaction satisfaction and a 46% increase in performance. And wow. so, yeah, fun has a real value to your ability to accomplish something that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And so perfectionism says a reward is cheating. And oh, I like, yeah, 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 you talk yeah. about this in the book like this. There were two different types of motivation, approach motivation, and people should read the book because I thought these were interesting. But the avoidance yeah. motivation, which the example, there was an example in there about wearing, <laughs> I love this one, wearing, uh, wearing ugly shoes. <laughs> until you finish, you know, so that oh, yes, basically yeah. people are wired differently. Some are wired for reward and some are wired because of a little bit of fear or apprehension, or this yeah. is going to make consequence. Me- yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And, there, and, and that's the thing. So sometimes we think, yeah, a friend of mine, that was Brian Koppelman. He made a pair of shoes that he thought were ugly. He made them on Nike, designed them. And it was yeah. like, I got to wear these until I finish this screenplay. And he's a super successful, uh, movie um, screenwriter. So the two different motivations are reward or consequence. And when I say consequence, an example would be if you ever got something done on a Thursday because you had a Friday deadline, that's a consequence motivation. And Mm -hmm. so the difference between avoid and approach is an approach or reward motivation is if I do these three things, I approach this reward. And that's how some people are motivated. And avoidance is if I do these three things, I avoid this negative situation from happening. So an example for me, real life, if I'm detailed ahead of time and pick flights deliberately, 
I avoid some hassle of missing a speaking event. Like I never take the last flight to an event because I don't trust the last flight. I take the early morning and I'll work at the airport and do all the things, but that's me avoiding a bad situation and it inspires me to be detailed. There's other people that will go, I, you know, once I hit a hundred hours, I get to buy myself a new pair of trekking poles. Like, and I, like, I can't wait. And I could buy them today. Like I could buy them right now. They're not expensive, but I want all along, like every 50 hours, every 100 hours, I want a tiny little bit of reward because that's, I can't wait. And that'll make me yeah. celebrate along the way versus just at the end. Those are the two kind of big, and, and people are usually motivated by both. It's not all or, mm-hmm. or none. It depends on the situation, depends on the goal. But once you see that, you start to go, oh, you're right. I've been holding my breath trying to finish this goal. I need some motivation in here. I need yeah. a little bit of reward in here, a little bit of consequence to kind of get me going. Mm-hmm. And I love that you said, these are the lies that we tell ourselves. And you had this section that said, real winners don't need motivation. They just do it. Yeah. A reward is cheating. Yeah. The hard work is its reward. Like, no, yeah. that's not how we are. No. But I, those are things, well, you talk, you yeah. call them soundtracks. They are things that play in our mind and that pull us away from what we're trying to accomplish. Okay, here's a good one. So you talk about reading, which we relate there. I like mm-hmm. to read. And you have this goal of 100 books a year. You have a lot of goals. I saw... On your podcast, yeah. something like 73. <laughs> that was a lot of cool yeah, yeah that's the initial list. Yeah. Yeah, totally, the initial list. Totally. And you talk like... about those. People have to check out your podcast. All it takes is a goal. Yeah. These last four or five are all about your goals. And yeah, you have a really big list and how did they go? And so it's super interesting. But you have a school of reading and you have a hashtag that goes along with it and you're getting compliments from strangers. Nice job on your reading, John. <laughs> you know, And you say yeah. the lie is that perfectionism says you shouldn't need the approval of others. Yeah. So I feel designed for community. I think we're all designed for community. And I think perfectionism says, no, you need to be in a cave by yourself, lifting a log on your back and you know, like all these conditions. And so the older I get and the more I actually research goals, a lot of it's about getting rid of old conditions that you picked up somewhere old conditions that you think are, you know, true. Um, And so, yeah, one of them is you shouldn't need community. Like you should be an island you should be like, we love the lone wolf idea Mm -hmm. versus just going like, no, I need encouragement. Like I need encouragement along the way. Like that encourages me or I need a friend to help me across the finish line. I think it's amazing when you've got a shared goal. I mean, Jenny, you put a priority on community. Like a big part of what you do is community. You've created a community where people get encouraged. Everybody sharing their photo of their printed out thousand hours gets affirmation from people that go, that's great. That's a community. And so I think there's a real beauty too to going, I got to 80% and I need a friend to help me get over the next 20%. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a challenge. I mean, just for the men listening, I think part of our challenge is we don't even know how to talk about the things we need. Like Mm. we just don't have a good vocabulary for that. I remember like six years ago, I'm 47, a friend, we were having coffee and I said, how's it going? He said, you know, I just feel sad today. And I was like, whoa, we, we get to say that word. I had no, okay, let's go. Like I feel sad, you know? And so like often we don't know how to ask for the things we need. Um, And so like a soundtrack I remind myself is people can't help you unless they know you need help. Like people can't help you unless they know you need help. So if I'm in the middle of a goal and whether that help is like, Hey, I see that good job. Like I shared this because you're going to get some criticism on the other side. That's what I Mm -hmm. talked about in 
the reading goal. People would go, oh, you read a graphic novel, you read a Batman comic or whatever, like that doesn't count. You read a Calvin and Hobbes, that doesn't count. And I would always push back and go, well, it's the John Acuff personal reading challenge. I feel like John Acuff should be in charge of the John Acuff personal read. Is there a committee I have to submit these books to first? I didn't know. This is is totally our world, John. The does it count is what comes up all the time. If I'm sleeping in a tent at night, does it count? If I'm in a cave, does it count? I just got one yesterday and I- The cave has a big opening though, big opening cave. Well, we always say like nature above, nature below. And then I say, there are no rules. This is just something that our family did. And I shared what our family was doing. There's no rule book. There is no council. But I got one just the other day that said, it said, I love people. It said, if if my kids are outside playing in cardboard boxes- Does yeah. it count? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Yeah. And you want to say, well, how thick are the boxes? How thick? Are they half inch thick? Because that does not count. Are they Ikea thickness or Frigidaire washing machine? Thrift? Like, right. Right. That's what's funny. Well, people are great. Yeah. So yeah, the does it count comes up in ours too. And I'm trying to read a thousand chapters. That's my goal for this year. There's a theme here, but this is actually yeah. new for me. I just did the thousand hours for 10 years. That's all I did. And I was like, I need more guardrails in my life because screens are sucking me in both for work and other ways. So the thousand chapters. And I'm like, I include the introduction and the conclusion. I read your book finished. This was 10 chapters, even though it's eight chapters. There we go. There we go. It counts because it's your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I think that's part of being flexible enough along the way too. Like to not go, I have to have this perfectly set up, you know, along the way or how many pages. When I tell people like, where is your time going? I always tell them, don't measure it down to like seven minutes. I don't want you to come back and go, I spent seven minutes getting ready in the morning. I wrote that down like, no, no, no. In a big general sense, in a big general sense, where is it going? We can work on it along the way. But I think we want to know if it counts because we want certainty. And I think oftentimes we have to lean into adventure versus certainty because it's going to be messy. Like it's going to go in places you weren't expecting. People are never contained in a box. Like they're always different than you think they're going to be. But sometimes we want certainty of these are the 11 things I do. And if I do these the exact same way, this is what will happen. And we go, no, there's this balance. There's this balance where you need some adventure. You need some curiosity because it's going to go differently than you think. An example of that, I ended up at Sanford University in Birmingham, Alabama, where I met my wife, Jenny. Being at that university changed my life in every way possible. I asked my dad, because I grew up in Massachusetts. I said, how did we even find a small school in Birmingham, Alabama? I'd never been to the state of Alabama. And he said, well, there was a business traveler from Birmingham who came to Easter one Sunday in Massachusetts. My dad's a pastor. And he was alone at Easter. And so he said, come to our family lunch. So he came to family lunch and he mentioned at the table during lunch that there was this university called Sanford University. And that's how it started. Imagine if I had tried to say, okay, I'm going to plan this. I'm going to like, I couldn't have possibly. And that's the same thing with starting a big goal, like a thousand hours. It's going to take you in places you can't imagine. And so anytime you hear does it count? Instead say, I want an adventure. Don't say it doesn't count. Like it all counts. It all counts. It all counts. I like, here we go adventure. Here we go adventure. And those life pivots. I mean, my story is because I was an awful mom. I had three young kids and I was drowning. And then my friend said, my friend at Mops, and I sat at her table, like life has so many of these moments that like, well, what if I was at another table? And she said, Charlotte Mason says kids should be outside for four to six hours a day whenever the weather is tolerable. And my kids were real little and I didn't know who Charlotte Mason was, but I didn't want to look like I didn't know anything. So I was like, okay, whatever. But that one conversation, here I am, it changed my entire life. So you don't know. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Well, think of all the people that have been helped, like people, you know, and that person didn't tell you that at that table going, I bet like 
half a million people on Instagram are going to get really encouraged every day when I tell this person 10 years from now, like, <laughs> yes. yes, her name is Angela. She lives in Texas now. I mean, they're, you know, we're still friends with them. We get the Christmas card, but yes, she had no idea, but you're just sharing your life no. and things pivot and these things come up. And I want to tell you, John, that in Alabama, there is a cave that has glow worms in it. And the only other place in the world where there are glow worms is New Zealand. So we're in Alabama. I'm going to look it up. I mean, I'm planning on going. I don't know. This is a random fact. Yeah, that sounds this is a random fact that I know. And since you brought up Alabama, does it count? Is it does it count if I'm in that cave outside or that not? (laughs) Yeah, go adventure. What did you say? Instead of saying, does it count? Say, I'm going to have an adventure. That's an adventure. I'm going to go see real life glowworms. Here's a big one. Here's a big one. Perfectionism says your opportunity is gone. It's past. (laughs) What do you say? Yeah. So the funny thing about perfectionism, which I always say perfectionism is just fear in a tuxedo. It's this really funny form of fear that we're okay with because we go, we say it like it's a character trait. I'm a bit of a perfectionist versus going, I'm afraid Mm. of being out of control. And so I have a standard that I have to kind of cling to. So what perfectionism does or fear does is when you're young, it says you're too young. You don't have enough experience. Nobody will listen to you. Like who are you to think you can do that? And then you hit like your late thirties, early forties, 50s and fear goes it's too late you missed your shot like your your mm-hmm. time is beyond and you want to go when was i the perfect age is it fear and perfectionism will go oh there were 10 minutes when you were 33 it would have just been it was a tuesday in october it would have been perfect and so you you have to know that so what i like to do with perfectionism i guess one of my favorite things to do is to take challenges that are in my way and identify what I know they're going to say so that I'm ready for what they're going to say. Because a lot of our fears are very repetitive. Yeah. They, they're not creating a hundred new things to say. They're saying 10 things again and again and again. So one of them of perfectionism is it's too late. You missed your shot. And then I have to go, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, like, what is the truth? The truth is I have today. The truth is I have tomorrow. The truth is, okay, that's one of my truths. Okay, what's another thing perfectionism says? It doesn't count. And so what I try to do in my own life, and the way I write books is I find something in my life I want to change. I work on it. I test it with a bunch of people. And then I figure out, well, other people need this too. And if I see there's this big need in my community, I go, oh, I should spend a couple of years creating a book about this because that could help a lot of people. And so whether it's overthinking, whether it's doubt, the next book I'm writing about is about bravery um, because I've realized there's a lot of areas in my life where fear still is in control. And I'm not going to be ashamed of that, but I'm, I'm going to work on that. I'm going to go, huh, I think if I was a little bit braver and I, I think you can learn bravery. Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that some people are born brave, like in the maternity ward and they're like, I'm brave and some people aren't. So can I mm. learn bravery? Huh, I wonder. And then do other people wish they were a little braver? Oh, wow. It seems like they do. And so that's an, another example of that is that you've missed your shot and you have to go, no, I have a lot of time. When you change the way you look at time, you realize there's a lot of it. Mm. There's a, every week you have 168 hours. Here's the thing though. Here's the big thing. Time is your most valuable resource, but it's also your most vulnerable. It's your most valuable, but also your most vulnerable. It can't protect itself. The only one who can protect your time is you. Time only knows how to leave and it'll leave with the shiniest, sexiest, loudest, whatever. You have to protect it. So when perfectionism or fear tells me you're out of time, I have to go, wait a second. I don't think I am. And sometimes it tells me, Jenny, it'll tell me that on a Monday morning at 7.15 a.m. Like my fear will go, whew, the week didn't get off to the start you wanted it to. It's this week's a wrap. Like, go ahead and shut it down. I'll go, dude, we're 15 minutes into 7 a.m. Like we have the whole week ahead of us. I don't think that's true. And then I have to push back. 
back on that lie and and get my action in motion. But that's why I write about the things I write about is I try to go, okay, what are my fears going to tell me and and what's the truth? Mm -hmm. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chop's price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com outside120 code outside 120. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com slash 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. Yeah. And in our community, a lot of people talk about their teens. They come in and they're, they have a child that's already 11. They have a child that's 14. And they say, can I do yeah. it? Or they yeah. say, I'm a grandparent. I don't have any kids at home. Can I join in? And I love the concept of it's never too late. Live your life today. You live your life tomorrow. If you're breathing, you've got time. If you're breathing, you've got time. If you're breathing, you've got decisions. Yeah. If you're breathing, you've got choices. As far as too late, I remember Dr. Meg Meeker, who's a brilliant doctor. Um, she wrote a book called Strong Daughters, Strong Fathers that I just loved. Mm -hmm. She was on my podcast and she said, I, I asked her about that. Like, is it too late with the kids? And I was asking from a daughter perspective. And she said, the most important man that a daughter will have until she dies is her dad. So it's never too late. It's never too late for a dad to have an impact. Like there's not a season where you go, it doesn't matter anymore. It always matters. And so if you have a wake up moment and your kid's 25 and you go, oh, it's not where I like, and, and you can't get stuck in that regret of, I wish I'd done something at 12. Cause the longer you spend in regret, the less time you have to work in the mm -hmm. now. And so you have to say, okay, mother, my kids, 15, 16, 25, 35, there's still time for me to lean into that relationship with love and encouragement and wisdom. And it might take time to repair things. Some things are, are in a damaged place and it takes time to repair them, but it's never too yeah. late.
Wow, that's really encouraging. You have such a succinct way of saying things. I love your email newsletter, The Five Things to Shout About, because it's very succinct. And you oh, thanks. You take this time to really give information that is practical that I can use today. And I love getting that. And I love the way that you have boiled things down into these statements and you can remember them and you can grasp onto them. Okay, so one la- can we do one last one from Finish? There's a lot in there. Of course, yeah, of course. So you talk in there about how perfectionism sends this message that your results aren't good enough and you should quit. So this is about looking at the data versus maybe how you're feeling in that moment. Yeah. So um, one of the things I like to say is data kills denial, which present, prevents disaster. Data kills denial, which prevents disaster. And we have a hard time with data because it tells us the truth. Data is unemotional. And so, if, you know, sometimes we have a hard time with that. But what I tell people is failure is neon. Progress is invisible. So, you know, when you failed, failure is like you failed, you're terrible. Like we can remember failures from 20 years ago at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. Progress, though, unless you measure it, you'll never see it. Again, I wasn't just being kind to you about the diagram you guys have about the tree stump. I meant that because that was a beautiful example of data. When I color in each of those boxes on the days that my fear, my perfectionism says, you haven't done anything. You haven't done nearly enough. You get to go, but I have a whole picture here and I've colored in these 11 boxes and somebody did that and I'm the somebody, so I'm not going to listen to that. And so that's what I mean by data is that you have to measure your progress because otherwise you'll forget it in moments of fear, in moments of doubt, in moments of anxiety, you'll forget the progress you've made. And another thing is, that's another reason community matters. I like to say friends are archives. Our Mm. friends, they archive our moments. Just the other day, I was telling a friend about a challenge and he said, well, remember that bigger challenge you faced before? You got through that. I think you can get through this one. I had forgotten that challenge. He had archived it and brought it back to me as a friend to go, wait a second. This isn't the first one. This is like the 50th challenge. Do you remember that one? And I had forgotten it. So you need a visual of that. That's why that visual works so well. But you also need a community so somebody can go, wait a second, Jenny, Mm -hmm. this is not your first challenge. Or wait a second, Jenny, this is not your first win. You're capable of some real wins. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure as you enter into new parts of this, like a podcast was new at one point and you went, I don't know how to do a podcast. Mm -hmm. And you had to go, no, no, no. I've done other things I didn't know how to do. I don't Mm. know how to do a video series. I don't know how to do a book. Like as you do new things, you won't know how to do them. You need to be reminded of the things you've done and that can be in data, but it can also be in a relationship. Yes. And really to hit your point on bravery, that was my motivation to do things that I didn't know how to do. That's part of my story is that, well, we home educate. And so I had read this book about how kids need to see real world work and they just need modeling. And I was sort of this director, you know, like you do this math problem and you go do this science experiment. And then I was like, well, what am I really modeling to my kids? Am I modeling bravery? Am I modeling trying something new? And I wasn't. I was just directing them to do it. So then it challenged me. You know, I'm going to get a speaking invitation to keynote at this thing. And I don't want to do that. (laughs) I don't want to do that. I want to play the piano. I want to sit and read your books. You know, I don't want to do that. But what am I modeling to my kids? I have to do it. If I expect them to try to do new things. So that changed my whole mindset. So I stepped forward into it. It helps me be more empathetic to them. It helps me remember what is it like to be a child and to not know things and to have to go and try it for the very first time. And so I love that you're writing a book about bravery. I can't wait to read that. I think we need those reminders to be brave throughout our entire lives because that fear always is creeping in. One of the things about bravery that somebody told me once, she said, we ask our kids to be braver than we are. And I was like, what do you mean? She said, 
well, think about it. There's six and we drop them off on a soccer field and say, you see those 20 people you've never met? And that adult, that's your coach. This is a new sport. Go play. And then we as adults so manicure our life to prevent any discomfort or any inconvenience. And so that we don't have to be brave. And I think about that with kids where like every year, if you're in the public school system or private school system, you have a new boss in essence. Every year you have a different job. Like I don't change jobs every year. That would be really stressful if every year I had six different new new colleagues, like all your colleagues are new. Yeah. All new colleagues, all new building. Like, and you go, Oh. And so I think sometimes we do ask our kids to be braver than we are, which hopefully is an encouragement to go. I'm going to try the thing. And I'm also going to share that with my kids. Cause you didn't do it in isolation. You said, Hey, I'm stressed about this. I need you to know mom gets stressed Mm -hmm. too. Or, Hey, this is a challenge for me. Here's how it went. Here's what I'll do differently. Here's the hard work. Yeah. And they see you, they see you walk up on the stage and they know that you have told them that this is terrifying to me, but it opens doors and they see the relationships that come out of it. They see the fruit. They get experiences. Our kids have friends all over the country because we've gone to these different conferences and they go too. And now they have these relationships. And I think when you talk about, you just don't ever really know where things are going to lead. You rub shoulders with people and you don't know where that is going to go when you take these steps that are uncomfortable and scary. And so, like I said, I'm so excited to read the book about bravery. You talk in this book about, you track a lot of things There's 23 things to track in the back of Finish, Give Yourself the Gift of Done, including two of my favorites were meals made, which I thought that would be a cool thing to keep track of. How many homemade meals did I make? And thank you notes mailed. What I was surprised. That one caught me by surprise. And I love when things catch me by surprise in a book. I was like, oh, I would have never thought about that. You know, just measuring how grateful we are and how much we're explicitly showing gratitude. So John, it's a fantastic book. Finish, give yourself the gift of done. A great one for the start of the new year. Tell us one more time about Guaranteed Goals Challenge. Let's go. Guaranteed Goals Challenge. Yeah. So it's three days. Starts tomorrow. It's me teaching live. It's about 45 minutes a lesson and they're they're recorded. So we'll send you a video replay. Most people can't attend live because they've got this thing called their own life with jobs and taxes and like obligations. And so we send everybody a video replay each day. Um, yeah, it's acuff.me slash challenge. Wow. It's acuff.me slash challenge. Wow. So it's live. How fun. Cause you're so fun. So people can sign up for that. The guaranteed goals challenge starts tomorrow. So make sure you hop out of yep. this podcast, wherever you're listening to it and go sign up and you have a fantastic newsletter that comes out and also your own podcast. All it takes is a goal podcast. The latest episode was your 70 2023 goals. You had a 2022 goal review, 24 dragons that will, you always have these practical things like 24 dragons that will slay your goals, but here's how to handle it. Here's the answers and the seven best books that you read in 2022. That's episode 103. And so you read a lot. So that's a really intriguing. Well, you and I, we overlap. Our stuff overlaps in a really nice way, which is I'm glad I get to be the resident goal Mm -hmm. person because you don't just say you should be outside more. That's not helpful. Like when somebody tells me you should be more grateful, agreed, but how? I'm always going, but how? what does that look like in the middle of a busy yeah. schedule? And that's what you do with your audience. And that's why you and I have so much overlap in our messages and are pushing in the same direction and are encouraging mm-hmm. in the same direction is we're always going, okay, but how? Yeah. What does that look yeah. like? Like, how do I do that? What, how do I, you know, yeah. how do I figure that out? And that's what I think you're really great at, which is why it's fun to come on and have conversations like this. Oh, thank you so much. John, can we end with what is one of your goals for 2023 that maybe would take people by surprise? Um, one of my goals for 2023 that would take people by surprise, I'm putting a real emphasis on sunlight this year. 
Like I've just been reading a lot about how important sunlight mm -hmm. is. And I think I do an okay job of it. But sometimes when I'm in the middle of a travel season, I'm not deliberate about it. So I'm one of the things I'm measuring on a daily basis is, am I getting sunlight today? And how, you know, what does that look like? Cause there's a couple goals that unless I'm deliberate about them, they don't happen organically. Yeah. So I'm really trying to go, okay, how do I get some sunlight? Yeah. And so I think people might be surprised by that because it seems like a small thing. Oh, it's a huge um, thing. It, it's a, it's huge, a thing huge thing because yeah. especially so, if you get exposure to sunlight in the morning, it resets your body systems. Yep. It's like seven to 11. Yeah. There are a hundred body systems that are dependent on that day and night cycle. And we even have, John, we even have this Lux meter. It looks like a Ghostbusters tool. It's got like this coil. I'm going to send you one. It's got this coil and, you, oh, and I... you measure the amount of light, the amount of Lux, which is like one Lux is equal to one candle. And so when you're inside, it's five, 600. But as soon as you step outside, even on a cloudy day, it's jumping to like 8,000. And there, you have uh, to hit that's you have to hit a certain number in order for it to register in your brain that a new day has started. Here is the light. And so I especially agree with you when you're traveling and you're speaking at conferences. And so I'll step out. It's you don't even step out of the building sometimes. I'm like, I have to step out, I have to expose my eyes to this full spectrum light to wake up my brain and to reset those systems. Totally. Yeah. So I would say I'm new into that. I'm new into that. Like there's a lot of other goals I've measured for years. That one's kind of like, it's on my newer, like, oh, okay, yeah. I'm gonna, cause I just keep reading about it. And I'm like, and it fits in with my outside time. Yeah. So. Okay. I'm not going to send you a Lego. I'm going to send you a Lux meter and you're, it's going to be really cool. I would love that. <laughs> I would love that. That's amazing. That's amazing. John, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All it takes is a goal podcast. The Guaranteed Goals Challenge starts tomorrow. You want to read, finish, give yourself the gift of done heading into the new year. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Jenny. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talked to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. Mm -hmm. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes Unsticking life sucks. Unsticking